0: Well, we're so glad to have all of you with us today at all of our Life Church campuses around the world at Church Online and those of you at our network churches. Uh, We're in the middle of a series called Margin. So far we've talked about scheduling margin. Last week we talked about financial margin. Today we're going to talk about a kind of margin that you may not have thought of called moral margin. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them up to James chapter 1. James 1 is where we're going to start. And what I'd like to do is I want to ask you a question. And before all of you answer, I want you just to think about it and let it sink in the question i'll have you respond to in just a moment is this i'm wondering at all of our campuses how many of you know someone and don't respond yet but you know someone whose life has been wrecked by sexual sin you know someone whose life has been wrecked by sexual sin Uh, for example just to get you thinking maybe you know someone that uh, has struggled with pornography and uh, looking lustfully at images, it's kind of overtaken their lives and, and, and wrecked it in a significant way. Or perhaps you know someone that was, uh, had sex before they were married. They got pregnant and then maybe panicked and, and aborted the child, and now they live with that. Or maybe they decided, you know, should I marry this jerk that I don't really like? Or, or how am I going to raise this kid as a, as a single parent? Or maybe you know someone that was haunted with some sexual disease after a one-night stand. Maybe you know someone who was promiscuous before they were married and you know kind of in and out of relationships and then they got married and they brought all this baggage into their marriage and now there's this this tension of comparing and and expectations and fear and and, and all this kind of tension in, in their marriage. Maybe you know someone that's had an affair and they didn't maybe plan on it but they all of a sudden one day woke up and they realized their own marriage was in tremendous jeopardy because of sexual sin. I want you to think about that, and I'll ask you again. How many of you know someone whose life has been wrecked by sexual sin? Would you raise your hands up high? Raise your hands up high. All of our campuses, virtually every hand is raised in the air. Interesting to me when you think about it, because I don't know anyone who ever sets out and says, you know what? On my five-year goals this year, I'd I'd like to have an affair within five years or less. I don't know anybody who ever does that. I I don't know anyone who says, you know what, I plan on one day getting addicted to pornography so that these images on a screen or on a page can consume me and totally pollute my mind. I don't know anyone who does that. I've never met anyone who said, my one thing this year is AIDS. AIDS. If I'm going to do one thing this year, I want to to get AIDS, baby. I I don't know anyone who says, you know, uh, if I play my cards right, I can fall into some kind of a sexual deal, and maybe it'll cost me my job, or better yet, my marriage, or I can lose the respect of my kids. I don't know anyone who thinks like that, and yet it happens all the time, doesn't it? Here's what I've noticed. In in all my years of being a pastor, almost 20 years of working with people, the most common thing I hear people say on the other side of some kind of sexual tragedy is this. They always say, I never thought it would happen to me. I never thought it would happen to me. You see, the same thing that all these people have in common is at some point in their life, they lacked what I would call moral margin. You may be saying, now what in the world do you mean by moral margin? If you're taking notes, I'll tell you exactly what I mean. Our working definition for moral margin is this. We'll call it putting distance between you and temptation. Putting distance, a, a buffer, some margin between you and temptation. In fact, James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, really some great verses on temptation. Here's what James said. The Bible says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil Desire. You may remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the fact that all of us are out of alignment with God. We are sinners by nature. By his own evil desire, he is dragged away and what? Would you say that word aloud? Dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. The Bible says that 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 we're dragged away and enticed. Uh, The word translated as enticed comes from the Greek word delazo. If you're taking notes, here's what it means. It means to entrap, to allure, to entice, or very literally, it means to hook. means to hook. It's a fishing term, used meaning used to uh, catch with bait. Your spiritual enemy, check this out. He is trying to hook you into something that would cause sin to be born because sin, when it's full grown, doesn't lead to life, but it leads to death. Enticed, lured, baited, hooked. And I never thought it would happen to me. What's interesting, in the early years of ministry, I was honored to uh, do ministry specifically with single adults. And for years, I worked with great people. Um, And the most common question I got above all else uh, was about when you were dating somebody. Over and over again, people would want to know, if I'm dating somebody, uh, how far can I go? How far is too far? In other words, if there is a line somewhere somewhere, I want to know where it is because I want to get right up to that line, and then I might do that. How far is too far? If I get right, is that okay? Which is really interesting to me because I don't think of very many areas in your life where you say, how close can I get to something that would actually hurt me without actually getting hurt? For example, I don't know many people who put three bullets in a gun and then spin it and say, I wonder how many times I can click it and be okay. They don't do that, do they? Do they? I don't know very many people, there are some idiots on TV who put their heads in alligators' mouths, but normal-thinking people don't open up an alligator and say, how how many times do you think I can put my head in here before he chomps my head off? People don't do that. Where I live, we have a lot of poisonous snakes, and I can promise you I've never walked up to a copperhead and put my hand up and said, wonder how close I can get to snakey-wakey before I get bitten. You don't do that. But yet, for some reason, when it comes to sexual temptation, people how close can I get to the edge without getting bitten? 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I want to look at verses 18 through verse 20, uh, printed there in your notes. Uh, go ahead and help me out. The, the first word of this text is what? 1, 2, 3, say it aloud. 1, 2, 3. Flee, the Bible says, the Bible does not say flirt, the Bible does not say get close to, but the Bible says to flee from what? The Bible says flee from sexual immorality. Uh, Just below the text in your notes, the Greek word that's translated as flee is the word fugo. Everybody say fugo. Sounds like a cheap car, doesn't it? It says fugo, and what it means is to run away, it means to shun, it means to escape, it means to distance oneself. Fugo from sexual immorality. Flee, get out of town, put some distance in, put some margin between you and temptation. Run forest, run. If the Bible doesn't say flee from overeating, doesn't say flee from gossips, notice what it says to flee from. Flee from sexual immorality. Run. Don't ask yourself, how close can I get? But the wise person is going to put significant margin, significant distance between themselves and sexual temptation. Now, you may say, Craig, why would you zero in on sexual temptation when there are so many others? And the reason is because I believe this is one of the most dangerous and most devastating When I look at the lives of people close to me today, this is the one thing that seems to be taking so many people out. And there's actually a difference between sexual sin and so many other sins. You may say, well, what do you mean by that? Verse 18 says this. The Bible says that all other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. You might say, well, I thought all sins were the same. Actually, all sins are not the same. All sins, yes, separate us from God, but I can make a very strong biblical argument that in the eyes of God, all sins are not the same, and a very easy practical argument that all sin is not the same when it comes to practical consequences. All sins don't cost you the same thing. For example, if you tell a white lie, that may not cost you anything at all. If you speed, if you go 10 miles above the speed limit and you get a ticket, that may cost you a certain amount of money, but not a whole lot else. If you gossip a lot, that may cost you some friends. But if you sin sexually, that can cost you your job. It can cost you your marriage. Your kids can grow up without a dad or a mom. It could cost you your life through a sexual disease. It could cost you your self-esteem, it could cost you your reputation, one bad decision sexually could cost you for the rest of your life. All other sins, they're outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. The scripture goes on to say this in verse 19 through 20. The Bible says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You may say, hey, it's my body. Can I do whatever I want with it? Well, if you're a believer in Christ, no, you can't. That this body is not for you to decide what to do with it. You're actually a house for God, you're a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. And Scripture says you should honor God with your body. The promises. The problem is, the culture is going to tempt you in all these other ways to enter into sexual immorality in ways that you would say that's not even wrong, is it? Everybody else is doing it. What's the big deal? I mean, why do I need margin between me and sex stuff? I mean, isn't that like the goal? Isn't that fun? I mean, isn't that what you're supposed to do? I mean, if you're a guy, you need the bunga bunga, don't you? I mean, you 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 know you got you, you you might as well go, right? No, actually, no. This sin is different. This sin, it's, it, it's, it sticks with you. It's painful. It's emotional. It is deeply spiritual. Here's what the Bible says. Interesting verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. In your notes, can you help me out with this? Paul said this. He said, but among you, there must not even be a what? Would you say it aloud? There must not even be a, a hint of sexual immorality. I want you to think about that there must not even be a a hint, not even a hint. You you see, the the challenges in the world we live in, the world standards, I mean, we're talking are low, 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 low. But God's standards are so, 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 so high. And so often we might think, well, I'm better than most, while God says not even a, a hint of sexual immorality. In fact, I'll give you just a few examples of things that, Most people would say, well, they're not even that big of a deal. I mean, if you're only doing this, you're not really. But think about it from God's perspective. If God says there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, in fact, the Greek word translated as sexual immorality is the word pornea. We get our word porn from it. And what it literally means is it means anything that causes arousal outside of marriage. That's what it means. That's the most lit- Anything that causes sexual, there must not even be a hint of that. So let me just ask you a question and you can just nod and just think about this. If that is truly the standard of God, if he is so holy and wants so much good for us that he would say there must not even be a among God's people ask yourself this if someone dresses inappropriately in a seductive way causing someone oh 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 do you think that in God's economy that would be a hint of sexual morality what if we're you know, we're dating somebody and, and, and we're not going all the way, but what if we just do everything but? I don't know if you know what that means, but when I grew up there was a thing called everything but, and what it meant was everything but. That's what it meant. What if you're doing everything but? We're talking a little bit of naked twister, okay? You ever play twister? Right hand green. Oh, sorry, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, And, and you're, just, you're not going all the way, but you, you, do, you, do you think that in God's eyes, That would be a hint of sexual immorality. And yet in our world, you'd be considered a hero if that's all you did. Do you think that reading a Cosmos magazine that says, five ways to drive your boyfriend wild in bed, do you think that to God, that would be a hint? But in our world, that is considered normal. Put it out on the grocery store aisle so your five-year-old kids can see it. Normal. No big deal. Do you know what else is normal when it comes to sex? What else is normal is pain and regret and guilt and shame and insecurity and fear and lust and Divorce. That's exactly what is normal. Why is that normal? Because if there is a line of what's right or wrong, when it comes to sexual sin and sexual temptation, the line is in the wrong place. The line is right up against the very thing that most people say, well, that's obviously wrong. But I would argue there's an infinite number of other lines that society naturally crosses without ever realizing, I've just put myself too close to the poisonous snake. Normal. So what I'm going to tell you in the next few minutes, you're going to go, dude, that's just weird. Darn straight. Every bit of it. Without apology. Passionately weird. Weird. Because what's going on in the world today, normal, especially when it comes to morality and godliness and success in relationships, normal is just not working at all. Let me just give you a a step. According to one article, up to 65% of men and up to 55% of women will commit adultery by the age of 40. Up to 65% of men and up to 55% of women will commit adultery by the age of 40. When you add those numbers together, that means somewhere in the neighborhood of 80% or better of marriages will be affected by that. That is normal. Why is that normal? Because there is no moral margin. Because society has said, what is normal, and everyone else is doing, that's what I'll do as well. And we've taken the margin out, and we are crossing line after line of things that are really, really destructive. Well, what does it happen? Here's what we think in our minds. We think, okay, um, is it wrong to enjoy being with someone and, you know, talking to someone of the opposite sex? Well, no, because the line of adultery is way, way, way over there. So just talking to somebody, that's not really wrong. Is it, is it wrong to share uh, personal stories with somebody? You know, talk about my wife, my husband. Is that wrong? Well, of course not. Why? Because the line of sexual you know, affairs, that's way, way, way over there. So this isn't wrong. Is it wrong to anticipate time with this person? I can't wait to be with them and spend time with them. That's not really wrong, is it? Because adultery, that line is way, 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 way over there. So that, that's not wrong at all. Is it wrong to flirt with someone that's not my spouse? You know, Maybe, you know, you know, little notes, little gifts. Is that wrong to have an emotional connection? Probably shouldn't. But when you compare it to where the line is, to adultery it's way, 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 over. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, that's, that's not that big of a deal. I, is it wrong to start talking about my feelings, you know? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I know I shouldn't be attracted to you, but I kind of am. That's what my heart says. I mean, is that wrong? Well, not. I mean, you've got to be true to your heart, right? Here, Snake. Here, snaky, snaky. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought it would happen to me. No moral margin. No. Moral margin, distance between us and temptation. So, what I want to do is, for the next few minutes, I want to just give you some uh, some better places to draw the line. And admittedly, these are unusual, but we want unusual results. I've got eight suggestions, or many more, and, and some of you are going to write me off is weird, but others of you will say this is actually very wise. Uh, eight different things. The first thing, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to dress for spiritual success dress for spiritual success. Uh, When you dress, dress in such a way to bring glory to God and not be immodest. And I could talk to the guys, you know, personally, I don't find very men, men, men attractive at all, so it's not a real big problem. You know, guys at the gym, put some clothes on, you got big muscles, so you're showing them, you know, have some courtesy, be modest. Ladies, I'll talk a little more to you because guys are visual. And I mean, even in our church, there are tons of women who just are dressed in ways that draw attention to themselves. I've had guys say, I can't really worship because I'm being distracted by this. Dress for spiritual success. I know you paid a lot of money for them, but keep them for your wife. Don't show your husband. Keep them for him. Don't show them to us. We don't need to see them. Dress for spiritual success. Sorry about that. I know I just offended some of you, but deal with me. Second thing, if you're taking notes, I would say keep four feet on the floor. If you're dating, keep four feet on the floor. Uh, it's amazing what happens, how safe you can be when you keep four feet on the floor when you're dating. Do not get on the bed to do your Bible study together and wrap your legs around each other. Just keep four feet on the floor. If you're watching a movie, keep four feet on the floor. It's pretty extreme, but it's pretty doggone safe. When you don't, what happens is a guy's sitting there, girl takes her nice, smooth, shaved legs, throws them up against his hairy legs, hairy legs meets shaved legs, clothes start flying. It just happens. I mean, it just, it just happens. Next thing you know, someone's singing, pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with a... Pants on the ground, head turned side. Anyway, I'm sorry about that. I just... Pants on the ground. I got 50 bucks for that. My staff told me if I do that, I get 50 bucks. 50 bucks, baby! Pay up, looking like a fool with your $50 in my pocket. So, kids. <laughs> Yeah. Where were we? Keep four feet on the floor, baby. Uh, next thing, if you're taking notes, no sleepovers or playing house. Very normal, isn't it? Hey, it's, good, it's late. You know, you're dating somebody. uh, oh, you know, you can use my toothbrush. You can wear my t-shirt. Don't go home. We're just going to cuddle. Here's Snakey, Snakey. Here's Snakey, snaky. That doesn't sound right. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's just move on. I, anyway, golly, should have pants on the ground, pants on the ground. The uh, 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 next thing, and again, this is extreme, but you're dating, you want some extreme results, I would suggest no tonsil hockey. (laughs) No making out and all that kind of stuff. Because, and I'm serious about this, and this isn't thus saith the Lord, this is thus Craig suggesteth. It's just... If you there's a whole lot of things between hi, my name is Sally, and you know that kind of stuff. There's a lot of things, and if you draw the line well before the I just don't want to have sex, and draw the line way back, it's amazing how much margin and safety you will have. Uh, Amy and I, we waited um, until we were uh, married to share in the gift of lovemaking, and we were never ever tempted until we kissed. When we kissed, the temptation. Rose, and you know, just her face close to mine, body close to body. After the kiss, I spent the rest of the time fighting that woman off. I mean, she just, I, it was ridiculous, <laughs> or something like that. I can't, I'm a little foggy, but it was, it was when we did that, that all of a sudden the temptations became much more, that's a real extreme um, statement, but if you want some different results, you might need to do something different. Another thing I would suggest is to a, avoid dangerous places whatever those would be, and you're the only one that could know what's dangerous for you. It could be, uh, you know, going to the bars uh, with people after work or going to the clubs or for you, it could be going into chat rooms. Uh, for you, honestly, it might be going to the gym, that when you go into the gym, visually, you can't handle it. So, you know, just go buy some P90X and get some abs of steel at home and work out at home. If that, if that is dangerous to you, then you avoid that. You may say, well, that's very extreme. Yes, it is, because we want extreme results. Whatever is dangerous for you, I would recommend that you avoid. Another thing uh, that that I am a firm believer in is monitoring your Internet activity. And I I just want to talk about this for a minute. Uh, When I was a kid, to come across some kind of pornographic image, it was pretty hard to do. In today's world, on your phone or on your computer, you've got access to more than any normal person would ever want to see. And it is all right there, one click away. Here's what I do, I have every computer uh, that I have access to has what's called Covenant Eyes. It's, it, there's many different sources, but that's what I've used for years. And every click that I make is recorded and it's scored. Any time I go anywhere that is even marginally um, questionable, it flags it. And my report is sent to two of my close friends who are also on the board of directors at our church, which is tremendous motivation to keep me from ever going anywhere that I shouldn't go, and you say, well, Craig, you know, you're a pastor and you're married. I mean, would that ever be, a, is that something you struggle with? And I'll be real honest, at my age now, it's not nearly the temptation it was 10 years ago. Just, it just really isn't. And almost every day of the year, it's not a struggle for me. But if it ever became one, I have margin to protect me. I also want to say, um, like iPhones, and just, you know, if you don't have one, or maybe your kid does, uh, the pornographic apps that are available, You would be wise to help those you love to create some sort of margin because there is an enemy with a hook and some bait wanting to take you out so one day you wake up and say, I never thought it would happen to me, and there it's cost you tremendously. Another suggestion I have is to avoid time alone with the wrong people. In the old days, I would have said avoid time alone with the opposite sex, but in today's world, sometimes the wrong people for some people are the same sex. Whoever the wrong people would be for you, stay away from intimate situations. In my world and in our staff, we don't let, I, I would never ride in a car with a woman besides my wife. It's just too intimate. I would never be in a closed-door setting. In the business world, it's totally normal for a business to send a man and a woman off on an overnight trip together. I say insane. You might as well put the bullet in and do this. Just I mean, Why? Why? Would you, is it okay? Sure, is there anything wrong with it? No, is it wise? No, nothing wise about that at all. Nothing wise at all. Avoid even intimate conversations or inappropriate conversations with people that you're with. Avoid um, time alone with the wrong people. And then finally, I would say, guard your eyes, your mind, and your heart with everything in you. Guard them. What does that mean? Be careful little eyes what you read. You read uh, some Romance novels, or reading magazines that maybe aren't really bad, but they they arouse something in you that is not uh, holy and honor. You may say, "Well, I'm not looking at you know pornography, but I got my sports suit, Sports Illustrated swimsuit magazine in, and I can't wait to skip past the articles." You know, that's that's something that might be considered a hint of immorality, or, I, you know, praise God, the Victoria's Secret magazine came in, going to shop for some lingerie for my wife, you know, it's just, is, is, that, is that honoring God? Is it something that would make your wife feel special and treasured? Watch what you watch, television, movies, uh, the kind of conversations you're in, think about your mind, what you're fantasizing about, the memories, take those thoughts captive, make them obedient to Christ, do what Job did. I made a covenant with my eyes, Job said, not to look lustfully, at a woman, guard your eyes, your mind, and your heart. You may say, Craig, that's is so extreme. Yes, it is. Flee sexual immorality. Don't flirt, flee. I've never known a single person who said, it all started when I created moral margin. But I know a lot of people have said, I never thought it would happen to me. I have all these barriers and margin in my life and more, not because I really need them, but because I don't want to live without them. I, I want my, my sons, I want them to know they have a father who is a man of God, who is seeking, not perfect, but is seeking God and is, is living pure by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want my daughters to know that they have a father who does not objectify women, who always treats their mother with honor and respect, and I want them to seek after a man like their father, not one that I would never want them to have. I want my wife to never worry a day in her life about my integrity and my devotion to her. I want her to feel secure and blessed and treasured and protected, and I want my God, the one who sent his son, Jesus, who pulled me out of sin and filth and horror and transformed me I want him to be honored with my body, with my heart, with my soul, and with my mind. Flee sexual immorality. When the rest of the world says it's normal, it's no big deal. I mean, the line's way over there. You would say, you know, uh, it's wise to step back and to honor God with moral margin. Different? Weird? Yes. Because we want something more than what the world settles for. We want to live and serve and honor and please God. Father, I ask that in, um, in this moment that your Holy Spirit would work in people's lives in a way that, that only you can because, God, I know there is so much pain and there's, there's so much guilt and so much hurt. And, God, I even know that right now there are, are some that are just dying inside knowing what's going on in their lives. God, I pray that you would minister to us in a way that only you can. Here's what we're going to do. So you guys are praying at uh, all of our locations right now. I just wanna just, just ask a couple of questions. And the first one is, how, how many of you would say, you know what, you, 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 you probably don't have the moral margin that you could. There's, there are, uh, you've just gone through life like everybody else and you realize there are probably some safeguards that would be wise to put up in your life. If, if that's you right now, would you lift up your hands right now? Just lift them up, lift them up high, lift them up, lift them up. Thank you guys for your honesty. God, I would, I would pray that everyone who realizes there, there are some things we could do to, to be even wiser. God, I pray that they would talk it over. I pray, God, with their life groups, they would talk it over. God, I pray in their families, in their homes, they would talk it over. God, I pray that parents would gather with their children and spiritually nurture them by talking over some of these principles. And, God, not avoiding the real issues of this life, but having the courage to just to talk very directly about them. God, help us to talk it over, and in, in in your presence as we gather, give us the wisdom to create margin, to put distance between us and temptation. Now, God, I pray that you would um, speak in the lives of, of those right now that actually have crossed some lines and are maybe looking at some things that are inappropriate or thinking of some things that are wrong or acting out physically in ways that are hurting your, ha- your heart, God, and potentially destroying the things that they care about most. God, I pray, I pray that at this moment that your Holy Spirit would convict them and, God, they would desire true freedom. God, I ask that they would have the courage not only to confess to you, O oh God, but they would confess to those around them, that they would cry out and in their humble confession that they would find mercy and help in their time of need. And, God, I pray that they could not continue on in their sinfulness, but you would pursue them with your grace and your love and your mercy. And God, I thank you in advance that there will be those who are freed from the pain of sexual sin and its consequences by the power and the glory of your Son, Jesus. God, give them the courage to reach out and ask for help. Set them free, O oh God. As you continue to pray today at, at all of our campuses, some of you may go, Oh man, I, I just, uh, there's more than a hint of this in my life. There's, there's way too much. And I feel a real serious conviction. Here's what I want you to think about. Those of you that are believers, the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. Some of you would say, You know what, when I, when I look at my life, when I look at not just sexual sin, but all of it, I, I think, Man, I've just been way too bad for God. How could God ever love someone? like me. Here's what I want you to understand is, is he's crazy about you. You're the one that he came for. You're the reason that he sent Jesus. You may say, but they you know, I'm so lost and it's, it's so, so dark and, and my life is so messed up. You are exactly who he came for. I thank him all the time that he saved me out of a life of darkness. And when I cried out to him, my life wasn't fixed immediately, but immediately I was transformed spiritually. And there are those of you here today that you're very aware right now of your sin. You're aware that it's separating you from God. You're aware that you're not everything that God would want you to be. And that is a great first step. It's great to realize, you know what, you are not. Because if you don't see and acknowledge your sinfulness, you won't see and acknowledge your need for a Savior. And there's some of you right now going, I really do. I need help. I need need healing. I need forgiveness. I need to be transformed. You are one prayer away. Call today on the name of God's Son, Jesus. Call on Him. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to change you. When you do, God's Word promises all your sins will be forgiven and you'll be made brand new. You'll be transformed and filled by the Holy Spirit of God. It'll be as if you've never sinned in God's eyes, and you will become a new creation. There are those of you, you are here for this moment. God brought you here. Today is the day of your salvation. At all of our campuses, those of you who would say, yes, that's me, Jesus, take my life and save me, would you lift your hands high right now? Just lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer. As hands are going up at all of our campuses, church online, you guys just click right below me. Hands going up at all of the locations, people saying, yes, Jesus, transform and forgive me through the risen Christ. Would you all together just pray this prayer aloud? Pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Forgive me. Make me brand new. I can't get out of this life without your help, and I need your help. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me the power to live for you. My life and my body is no longer my own. It belongs to you. Thank you for new life. Now, Jesus, you have mine. In your name I pray. Life Church, all of our campuses, would you worship God and welcome those today born into his family?